listening to the Strange Fruit Podcast, where we give you the black perspective on topics that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Thank you for listening. Bronzeville is both a place and a spirit of the sons and daughters of the great migration to this northern city who came up by way of New Orleans, up through Memphis, up through Chicago, up to Chicago, seeking the promised land and uh, were literally restricted by legal restricted covenants imposed by people associated with the University of Chicago who wanted to contain that mass migration in a narrow band of land, three and a half miles by a mile and a half wide that came to be known as Bronzeville, or i.e. Black Metropolis. It was a place because of the concentration of people. Uh, you had 300,000 people scrammed into a narrow band of land uh, at its height. Uh, so you had people in kitchenettes and piled on top of one another, uh, commerce everywhere, restaurants, clubs, businesses, etc buoyed by and supported by the numbers racket, right? Which brought, the, these gentlemen were making $20 million a year, right? And they underwrote a lot of businesses that were owned by African-Americans. So it was a bustling uh, metropolis, if you will, of African-Americans seeking greater mobility, seeking economic empowerment, seeking their emancipation, having, having survived Jim Crow uh, lynchings, right? And come to the Northern city and working for the first time where they worked side by side by other races of people and earned a living wage. And so the dollar circulated, based on us not being able to go outside that community, the dollar circulated eight, nine, ten times. And so you had a very vibrant, though repressed, community. It was a very vibrant community, full of culture and arts, which also flourished at that same time. Thank you all for listening to the Strange Fruit Podcast. Uh, it's been a wild ride since the last time we uh, we spoke uh, on on these topics that we like to uh, kick off so well. Uh, I am Bishop Green. Adrian Neely. We're gonna get better Neely with Ritz. this, I promise you. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we got uh, we had uh, some major things going off. Man, how was your Father's Day there, Adrian? Was it all right? I had a great Father's Day, man. I, I ate horribly. I mean, which is really part of every every holiday for me. Eat horribly. I mean, and and I can be done. You can I can eat horribly and give me some money and then just let me leave me my, to my own devices and I'm good. <laughs> I can't say mine was too bad. It uh, I had some homemade uh, blueberry pancakes. My wife knows, uh, you know how to how to win me over. So oh, yeah, blueberry pancakes. Yeah, man, we 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 had no auntie mama syrup on it, so you know awesome. I sprinkle a little butter's worth on it. You know what I mean? You know, we gotta go <laughs> do what you gotta do. But we uh we had we yeah. had some uh, some tragedies <laughs> kick burn. kick in over the weekend, and and it would uh you know it would uh, uh be against my best uh, interest not to speak on that. Basically, where we uh you know had a lot of tragedies happen in chicago and it is a, a hurtful topic to discuss and bring up especially in the black community uh because it's it's a sore topic but 
I mean, we got to just honestly embrace this because the only way we can defeat it is to embrace it and, and work from within the system and, and, and fix it. And I, I believe uh, that it can be fixed. Uh, so we're going to expand on that, um, you know, here on Strange Fruit Podcast and, and, and talk about that. Um, so, Adrian, if you want, you can go ahead and kick that off um, and speak on that for a moment. Um, the, the Chicago thing, I guess, is uh, why is this not working? Well, anyway, I was getting frustrated with something. So, uh, <laughs> it was because you was eating horribly. Probably, yeah, probably, probably. I, <laughs> I may not be the same the rest of the week. Um, probably drove my blood pressure up, like at least a few points. But no, I mean, I had a kind of a discussion with another black person. He had posted something about Chicago, and my hesitancy is always to like, oh man, don't just. And this is. This is something I have to admit to myself. I don't want to talk about Chicago right now because it is. this is the, the main reason why is that it is the go-to for any racist who wants to, you, you know, anytime somebody wants to show their racist ass, it is through like the, oh, what about Chicago? Black Lives Matter, but why don't they matter when you're talking about Chicago? And I'm like, oh, like really? Mm-hmm. They do, idiot. Yeah. Uh, but Think we're and we're doing things when it comes to Chicago and and um, working on that. People are working on that. Things are happening. I feel like they could move at a, you know a, a faster rate, but it is the reason I am hesitant to talk about it with anybody who seems insincere. Is first of all because that is very insincere. Most of the time when people are saying that about Chicago, they're being as mm-hmm. insincere as they want to be. Like they they could care less about oh yeah about chicago like they're just basically a detour to get you off the off the topic yeah that is that is their shut up black guy that that really Mm -hmm. is what that is if if we're if we're being honest that's the the shut up we don't want to talk about this right now or we don't want to be called out right now we don't want to be called out right in this moment um so we are we are being we're faking sincerity and, and faking interest because they really don't care about Chicago. Right. And then, so right. I, I leave it out for that reason. Or I'm like, Hey, there's other places with a, a high murder rate, but then mm-hmm. technically Chicago has the most murders. It's just like the, the per, you know, based on population, the rate of murder is, is, you know, can be higher in a bunch of other places. So well, it hurt my heart to know that that kid had got um, shot and, and and killed, you know, uh, innocent bystander. I believe it was a father that had went to take him to get a haircut. And I mean, it's just a senseless, senseless uh, killing. You know, I don't know if it was gang related. I don't know what it was, but basically, you know, they're not catching these people. And that that's another thing. You know, all these cameras and angles and everything. Uh, it's just like, how, how do you hide so well, you know, and and what's driving all these killings and where are they getting these guns from? Where are they getting the ammunition from? If they can't afford, you know, certain things in life, how, and, you know, I had a friend, um, that basically told me, and I didn't believe him, but he told me, he said, 
Bishop, if you don't believe me, there are times you can literally go to a corner and there will be a crate with guns in it. In Chicago? Like a box. Yes. That's what he told me. Now, I don't know if this is true, but because I have never seen any articles relating to this, but as we know, certain things don't always make the headlines as we've just had five to six hangings, and that's a whole other topic and subject. So oh, I'm not going to, you know, wrap to that. We, you know, but we've just had all this going on and it's not really making, making news like it, like it should. But I mean, man, I mean, Chicago had close to, uh, what was it? Um, 30 or 32 died over the weekend and 70 injured. I mean, man, this, this, this can't be, this can't be. So I, I just don't know, um, where do we start? I'm because I know you have activists there, and it has a rich history there. You know, there's there there's some real good history there in Chicago, but there's also a lot of dark, dark history there in Chicago, really and it ain't just with black people. Chicago I mean, well. <laughs> I mean, you, hey, I mean, Al Capone. Do I need to say more? You know, um, these things happened, and uh, there's a reason. Uh, I believe, Adrian, I think that there's a reason why it got so bad. And if we can take this thing back to the migration, the great migration Mm -hmm. from Mississippi to Chicago, you can kind of get the sense on what they thought they were going to get out of it and what actually ended up happening when they got there. Yeah. Because it wasn't like Chicago opened up their arms wide and said, hey, come on, black brothers and sisters. No, they, they say, look, man, we need laborers for these industries. You know, we got a we got a world war kicking mm-hmm. in and Europe needs to, you know, uh, get our pro- products. They didn't purchase these products. We got to we got to stay on task. You know, we got to meet the demands of the customer. And so, you know, we were just more so. Uh, readily accepted as laborers. Yeah, we were buying. You know, and right. You know, but you got to remember when they came from Mississippi, where they couldn't even walk on a sidewalk when a white man or a woman was walking on the sidewalk toward them. They had to step off. It was it was cold. You could be arrested for not stepping off the sidewalk. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so when you're coming from things like that and being arrested for things as petty as that. You feel okay. like maybe I can, right. you know, this is not as bad. Right. You. This was Jubilee. So they took it. And uh, I mean, what else was they going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that was your only option for a better way of life, pursuit of happiness, as so many say, you know, well, you, you're not, you know, you're not promised anything, but you are supposed to have a pursuit of happiness. Well, I always dive on that pursuit of happiness. Where did we get our rights to pursuit of happiness. Cause I'll be honest with you as a whole, I just, I, I don't see it, but Chicago, you know, um, they put them on the South side, man. Bottom line. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and this is where, this is where it's at now. This is where they were concentrated. Whenever you put that many people, this is where they concentrated them. And uh, that's right. My buddy posted an article about that. I didn't give him too many props cause he, he already thinks he knows everything. Um, but <laughs> so I was like, no, nah. this, this wouldn't be Mr. G, would it? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh-uh. It's, but, okay, all right. But you, I got a, uh, I got a friend, and and it's like, hey, bro, I knew that too. Like, but he just comes in. You know how somebody comes in with like they're just educating you, and you're like, no, it's, 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 
So, man. but but it is kind of like when you take that many people and you cram them into a space like and they you know redline like nobody so everything like what Nikki was saying yeah. in the feed and I like to give attribution always is that and that that I think we've all tried to tell a lot of people uh, that that really don't want to hear it um, that that we've all been telling these people like racism is for black people. Everything is about race, and here's why. Because when somebody jumps jumps up, you know, why does everything have to be about race? Here's why. I watched a brilliant kind of like this was the there's a dude called Bo of the Fifth Son. Um, and two friends have always telling me about this dude. And um, it's basically he and it's good when a white dude will say it to white people because I think when they hear it from us, yeah. they just automatically are already on the defensive and they get so mad. But uh, when you can find a black dude that will say the same thing that we're sharing and and, and can be like our, our white whisperer, it, it, um, it, there's a benefit to that mm-hmm. because they really want to um they they really just don't want to hear they really just want us to shut up so anything they're telling us is a version of shut up but when you but bo's thing was like if you look at all these statues and his friend had thrown in something said well basically everybody was racist at that point he said and he that's what that was his gotcha moment he was like exactly so all of these people who were in charge of policy and and infrastructure and all of these things do you think they were just going to build this society in which black people were automatically included into all of it you know and i was like thank you thank you if because that's the thing where everybody was a little racist back then well exactly so they're the policy makers and they they're so they write the laws they write they so it's in everything and i thought my selling point would be like well i told y'all that the U.S. wouldn't have even been able to fight the Revolutionary War without slavery. What's next? So why can't y'all see that everything is about race at this point? Because without right. slavery was at the very foundation of us being a country in the first place. And that wasn't a thing. That's, that's still not a thing. I have a, I have a couple of black dudes, which is disgusting to me, but I digress. Um, no, I'm not going to digress. I'm I'm, I'm gressing. So Man, speak, say it from your chest, Adrian. But I'm, I'm saying, I, you know, it, it's like, and how can I say this without? Because you know, I had these moments where, like, you know, eventually somebody that you know is going to hear this and they're going to, but, uh, and, and so you know, in in, in the, yeah, yeah, it, it always is. Yeah. But at the same time, that's a fear and not too. the people who I want to hear. <laughs> so I'm saying something about them. But it's like, if you are a black person, the most disgusting type of black person to me is a person that and we're all guilty of it at some point in time like we're all guilty of these kind of conversations that are a little bit insincere and i don't want to hog up all the time so i'm trying to talk fast i'm trying to do the thing where i, I no, no, through, no hey man just I say what you I gotta say we listen but we're all we guilty listen. of a, a moment no we're go ahead to make our point but like and i've been so a couple of my phrases my main phrases i use every time is two things can be true because trump supporters and and racists which are 
I, you know, some people try to say they're not racist and they're Trump supporters. I'm, I, but my feeling is you're at least cool with racism. Um, if if you, you can deal with the racism if you get what you want. So in a way, that's still kind of racist to me. But um, like the, the thing they, they always do is they lock down on one thing and only that thing can be true. So mm. um, people always want to send me. They, you know, you know, every, you know, people who want to justify racism always are going to send you Candace Owens. She's the first. And then, mm-hmm. and then, oh yeah, she's so she's well spoken. One. She's so so intelligent. I would love for you to listen. I would love for you to listen yeah. to her because I thought she's speaking the she truth. Said was just, just she's great. I you know she gets it. So hard. That's that's what she I always hear. She gets just it. like you. And I think that, <laughs> she gets yeah, what? She gets it. She gets, the, she, gets she gets how to make you feel okay with your racism. She gets it. Um. Yeah. But my thing is like. There's such insincere That's arguments right. about, or or when they find these black people, because another one of my friends, and he's not racist at all. He was just like, he he just always always will send me something and like, basically like he says, "What do you think it is?" And usually when he's asking that, he's like, "What is your argument against this dude? How would you counter this dude if you were to, you know?" He just he likes that. He likes to hear, and so so they're 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 always talking mm-hmm. about how they're self made and they're this and they're that and. No one is saying that black people will not go out and be successful and that they will not, we will not work to that point. Right? Nobody's saying right. that. Like, like us pointing out racism is yeah. in no way saying, and so we can't do anything because we're still going to try. And a lot of us are still going to do. Like, I know right. black people who will blame the man, and I'm like, I'll be like, well, you really ain't doing nothing, brother. Like, but then mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm plenty mm-hmm. of black people who yeah. will go ahead and point out institutional and systemic racism and still excel within a system that doesn't want us to excel, right? Exactly. Where where our excellence isn't built into the system. Like, it's not even, you know, the hope is that these obstacles will be enough. Yeah, the hope is that the obstacles will be enough considered. to keep us from said excellence. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. uh, but you see these insincere arguments about Oh, well, see, I bought, like one the one that he showed me in particular was this guy talking about, well, see, I bought a house. You're saying that black people can't buy. I'm like, well, that's you. I almost said something that we say colloquially that, that we don't say because I, I almost got to that level of upset. But when I watched the video, <laughs> I was like, that's you, idiot. And then first and foremost, he was a police officer. And I, as an, yeah. as, as an educator, know that there's a such program as a teacher next door and an officer next door program, which will allow you to get houses at reduced rate, depending on where you want to live and allow you to move in, you know, move in the neighborhoods because right. they want teachers and they want definitely most neighborhoods want police officers in them. So they have, especially if you're in you know, my, my cousin, um, who's a, a, a sheriff's deputy, he uh, was able to move into. Um, his apartment, his first apartment complex, or second apartment complex, at either a reduced rate or for free, as long as he was there, because they want right. you there, and it was right. very but nice. Adrian, Adrian, you know. it, yeah, but Adrian, everyone is not uh, afforded those liberties, exactly. you know, and I, that and, and, and that's the problem everybody. I have when it comes with that. And going back to the Chicago disgusting. thing, right? That's exactly what they did. Now they had they didn't have black codes or Jim Crow laws there in, in in the north of uh illinois and chicago that, that that was not the case however they did have pacts yeah. they did have pacts that they kept and chicago and they horribly and they did they did not build extra houses 
for all and the inf uh, uh, influence of uh, black migrants coming out of Mississippi. They said it was only 2%. When they had that riot in 1919, when they had that race riot, okay, it was only 2% mm -hmm. uh, black population at that time. This was right before World War One had kicked in. Once yeah. World War One kicked in, it got up to about a hundred thousand. Yes. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. so I mean that's I, it, we we became a more of an influence, and up until the nineteen seventies, uh, then we became about a million strong, according to the uh, um, documents that I've read. Um, so about a million strong um, at that time in the nineteen seventies. But here's the kicker: once you've laid a foundation where they can't they can't excel. You kept them stagnated in one area, no matter how qualified that they were or how much skill set yes. that they had, yes. they, they couldn't they couldn't excel. Why? Because you had yeah. other immigrants that had came in and they flooded uh, the other two thirds because uh, Chicago was mostly immigrants at that point in time. Yep. They said it, it was nothing, you know, for uh, many of them back in the 1930s and 40s for them to be the first or second generation of immigrants in exactly. chicago because that's just how it was but i mean but the thing is they kept blacks in this one area and they put them and we kept in growing desolate homes right and we kept multiplying and growing right the predatory lending products the prevented um yes. you know all of the the housing discrimination and the predatory lending that took place where people you know i came from the south where I couldn't even live in anything or have anything of my own. And then I come here and although the product that you sell me is atrocious, it's overpaid, it's you ready to steal it because the my mortgage was late one day, now you're gonna evict me. You know, we all this predatory lending that took place and yeah. um the, what they call mm -hmm. that's, that's where slumlord term was kind of birthed out of Chicago. Yeah. Um, but you have black folks that's like, well, what right. am I gonna do? I can't exactly. I wouldn't even have this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, it's, you know, again, we talk about lesser of two Exactly. Evils. That's always That's like steak and potatoes in, to black in, people, in, man. In, lesser of two evils. You know what I mean? That's always been our portion in America. It is. It's, it's a lesser of two evils. Do you yeah. want, <laughs> you know, you want ground beef? Man, we've never say. not it's, had you know, to make that they both decision. Beat. You know, you want the drumstick? Yeah. You want leg quarters? Barbecued? Uh, or wow. yeah. or fried or cut up wow. fried or grilled. Or what yeah, Which one eat. is it? It's but the leg quarter is your portion. That's what you're finna get. That's right. It's a matter about how you you gonna right. eat that leg quarter. That's for you. The rest of this ain't for you. Right. How you gonna fix it? That's up to you. But this is what you gonna eat. So you know we've always had that. Um, and I think what happened with you know in Chicago, you got so many different things. You had that influx of black people that were actually working alongside white uh you know black men were able to mm -hmm. work alongside white men but there was that resentment yep. still right. that american resentment that they're taking something and those things spilled uh, over because that bloody summer of 1919 what swim. happened is a 17 year old was swimming crossed over onto the white side they stoned him he drowned and when the police came they didn't arrest him Black people got upset, and then white people, as a reaction to black people getting upset, decided you. you don't have a right to be upset. Which is always right. the way. Shut, it's, shut it's the like, fuck up. They need to quit right. those riots. Like that's uh, the and that, that is what they did. Because 
and there are so many rides like I find out about it like we know yes. about a bunch of them and then you find out about a new one every day like like now especially now like like yeah. I've noticed even you, you know our elders will, will tell us about a new ride or another one we didn't even know about this happened over here and it was always based around and it never was like yeah. really a riot it was always like a terrorist act it, it was, was they, never they, they, a real mm-hmm. riot. It was a terror, exactly. Of black people. It and and, and yeah, it was always coming over into black the black side and destroying the black side. And it was often be- due to the fact that black people were either prospering or that in the case of Chicago, like you both have mentioned, because black people were working those same jobs and they saw them as competition and they needed an they excuse. Got too, they got too yeah. loud. They got they got too loud. Yeah, they needed an excuse when the cops showed up and they did not arrest them and black folks were upset and started gathering on the beach. White people said, mm. we tired of y'all. You think you're too human. So we gonna let all mm, of y'all right. know what Chicago is about and where your place is. And um, and again, this is not black people riding. This was not black Being people attacked. attacking. This was black people mourning the loss of a 17-year-old that was stoned and them waiting patiently on police to come up for justice, yep. and then police not getting them. justice and complaining and gathering. No marching, no anything. The police failed them. Yeah. They just, are you serious? The police are not going to arrest them? We're calling for them to be arrested. And white folks said, right. white mm-hmm. Americans said, the hell you How mean? dare you want justice? That's not how that goes down around it, here. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to shut up and take what we give right. you. Yeah, how dare you want justice? And so then, you know, after that, after the rioting, what was a trip was that people wanted zones to and thus and thus came the community, so right? And thus came the community of Bronzetown or Bronzeville. That's what they named it. Mm-hmm. Yep, and one of the most, I think, one of the most tragic things that. Um, systemic racism and the bias in America has prevented with black people is what I call tribalism. Okay. It's like, uh, I think Robin D'Angelo is the one who says that white people are allowed to look at themselves as individuals and they are. And so what happens within white communities, what happens in Hispanic communities, Asian communities in America is that they group up and they tribe. Okay. So all the people who decide that they're kind of like, they, they fall into this life of laborers. They kind of, you know, get each other. They end up kind of moving around each other. All the people that are kind of educators, you know, and I'm being real broad, paint with a broad brush for the purpose of explaining it. They're able to group up together. All the people that are, you know, the top 10%, the talented 10th that, you know, are going to be your doctors and your scientists and engineers, they group up together, live in the same neighborhoods. And so what happens is you're such an individual, you're able to find your tribe. Your tribe might be, you know, uh, goth. Your tribe might be anime folks. Mm-hmm. Your tribe might be the kickers. Your tribe might be what preppy. You can find your tribe and you have no limitations for where your tribe can go, where your tribe can gather, and where your tribe can carve out a safe space for themselves. We can be the people that, you know, like coffee and read books all day. It doesn't matter. We can be the people that go watch birds. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We can find our tribe and no one bothers us. But what has happened with black America is that we've not, we're just the blacks. And so what they did was they grouped all the blacks. I don't know about your families, 
but both sides of my family, my yeah. mom and dad grew up in black communities. And the one thing they always talk about is in our neighborhood, everybody the same there. Speech. you know, it was black attorneys, exact the same there, speech. the black lawyer, the black doctor, they all lived in the same place. And people love it. They say, man, we had a sense of community. And, and I get it. Y'all had a sense of community. But here's what happened. When the black doctor who can send his kids to private school is has to live next door to the kids who dad was killed and mama is a maid and got to go for the help. And so those kids are unsupervised. The doctor's kids are living next door to the woman who cleans white folks' houses for a living. So, no, she can't keep up her house. No, she can't barely feed her kids. Yes, there's going to be some issues and some delinquency. And the doctor, when he decides, you know, I'm educating my kids, I'm doing this, I might want to live in a different type of place. He can't. So you have in these communities, yeah. the communities are unbalanced from an income perspective. And when you have a place where you have people who they might be upper middle class and then you have people who are in poverty and they have to live side by side and their family and their relational, those people who have a little bit more, they're going to have to use what they have and quote unquote spread the wealth. That's where that whole mentality of if you got, we all got comes from. But the statistics tell us, and there's a um a company mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. AHA Norman or AHA Process. They have a um they actually have a seminar and Dr. Cheston Curl is actually uh, the person that I know who uh instructs on one of these seminars are used to where they talk about poverty and how it happens and how um, the middle class fall black into poverty often because uh, in disenfranchised communities mm. when you ain't got money all you got is relationship and so you value relationship and sometimes even place an inordinate amount of value on relationship and, um, and so that's why a lot of uh, black families they can't really move out of the middle class because because we value relationship and that's all we got that's guaranteed, we take care of relationship at all costs, but that's not how you build wealth. And and so it robs. So you got the doctor, the lawyer, the teacher, they in the community the community with all of their family who ain't got nothing because they the exceptional ones and they got to try to spread. You, you have families where you got one or two exceptional mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. trying yeah. to take care of 10, trying to take care of everybody's house trying to take care of everybody. We got to take care of Big Mama. She ain't going to the nursing home because we can't afford that. So who going to watch her? Okay, this person going to watch her. They ain't got education, but we got to make sure they eat. All these different things happen. There we and go. And you keep there we them go. caged. Yep. There we go. There we go. And whenever you cage a human being long enough, they'll become that very product that you that you that you right that you depicted them as in the first place and then if that that racism causes poverty there's a there's studies that that say that um you know poverty does cause actual brain damage Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. it does and you know how um Mm -hmm. i have not michelle obama's documentary south side and in it she talks about her father she talks about how brilliant he was and how he came to Chicago, but then he was, like, denied these opportunities. And she makes mention of something along the lines of, you know, can you imagine? No, it's her grandfather. I'm sorry. Her grandfather came. Can you imagine how that feels as a, as a Black person that um, you have all this capability, you have all this brilliance, yep. and it's captain, you can't do anything about it. That's not, like, happy. That's not okay. And, and so... 
Um, you know, so he instilled in them, you know, about pushing above and beyond. And I think that story is germane mm-hmm. to yeah. a lot oh, yeah, of most uh, black families where our, our you know, <clears throat> and, and so again, you know, you, you go into the neighborhood and we go back to the, the poverty in the neighborhood and the zoning and how ghettos were created is that you come into this neighborhood and then people that there are working, go. they are denied the opportunity to build wealth systemically. So, yes, I saved up all my money for a down right. payment. I'd like to buy a house and not exactly. pay anymore. Yep. And exactly. you deny because me. the property that I can't do. Right. It. You know, I put right. my son right. through college cutting hair or doing right. hair. But you won't yeah, give that's me a right. loan for a home. I don't you leave know anything. What? I die a renter. I don't have so anything to get. That's right. nothing to lead to my children. Wow. I have yep. nothing. So, right. I have nothing. I ain't got nothing but a car. Yeah. And that's why we like exactly. cars. Because we it, own cars and clothes. But, you know, I have, I die a renter because you won't, not because I can't pay bills and not because I'm yeah. not financially right. responsible because I ain't I'm home black. and neither are my children. But yeah. I die a right. renter because and the great And the great Langston Hughes of the Harlem Renaissance at that time in Chicago wrote uh, poems about it. And spoke on it highly. Spoke well, didn't speak highly of it. But Hughes said uh, basically restrictive covenants uh, and contracts between property owners um, prohibited mm-hmm. selling or leasing space to African Americans exclusively, yep. and effectively confined blacks to the neighborhoods of right. Bronzeville, despite its shortage of decent housing. So you mean to tell me? Here we were be- once again being the great labor force again. For for a, a major city, and during two mm-hmm. major wars, but being and denied. we still sitting up here, but but we can't even get get houses and and, and land. Now you mean to tell me they were just spending all their money? No, they couldn't because no. it couldn't go nowhere. Still okay, getting, now don't even get me started anything. about the GIs that came back from World oh War II God. that was supposed to be able to get they they homes. That's a whole nother topic I'll That's talk right. about later. I'm not we're not gonna go there because that one deserves its own. Yeah. Uh. 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 Podcast. Well, and then, yeah. yeah. Right. And can you imagine so, the trauma right. though associated right. with that? Mm, the right. trauma associated with thinking. You know what I'm saying? Just it being. I mean, you know, but again, bring it, bring it up today. Like bring it to today. This is where this is where the foundation yeah. was laid. I'm not giving excuses for how it is, yeah. but at the same time, when you cage an animal up long enough, it's gonna, happen. or you put them in dire straits long enough. You will see the animal side of us to come out. That's and, any human being. And you know, okay? y'all because when drunk. I went to Chicago, when I went, I was so amazed, Nikki, Adrian. Look, I was so amazed because I was ready for just the ghetto when I got there. Mm-mm, it was not. not. Like man, black folks was, mm-hmm. man, they was doing it. I'm talking about driving the nicest cars, staying in the nicest homes. I was out in the suburbs of Chicago. But you know, but, well, but look how far we come. You know, despite too. the oh, obstacles sorry, that they placed in our way, not to not to make it, not to be successful, and we still get through the cracks. But the yeah. problem is, we tired of coming through the cracks. I just want to come through the door. How about that? Yeah. You know, I'm tired of having to slide through. Well, I also believe when it comes to Chicago, don't get me wrong. I think that mm-hmm. when people use Chicago as a base to um, whether they intentionally do it as a deflection or a gaslight or whether they really think, oh, my God, 
you the blacks need to do something about their people in Chicago. Most definitely. Well, I think oh, that yeah. shows bias. Oh yeah. Just from a basic statistical perspective, because we're gonna point out essentially Chicago has a couple of yeah. zones oh, yeah. that are out of that are that are pretty bad. Um, and we're gonna take what's going on in those zones to say black people are not getting it right and need to shut up. You have too much work to do. We're gonna disregard every other place. On yeah. the whole, in the whole United yep. States, where we're getting it right, where that's not happening, where where there, you, you, you know, so that's my thing. Yeah, these... Like we are taking these small, you know, micro um, mm-hmm. making that be the, the blanket, the blanket reason. Man, they that turn like they're making right. This is what's wrong. They're making it political. Making it it even they're even making this a political statement. All oh, these democratic cities, these democratic cities. And what bothers me, yeah, what bothers me about it the most, Bishop, is that, okay, you believe that I'm, I'm not from Chicago, don't have any people in Chicago, but you think, well, I think I have a few, but the distant ones. You believe that when I say um, George Floyd shouldn't have had to die like that, Sandra Bland shouldn't have had to die like that, and I shouldn't get my ass whooped when I get pulled over by the police or slammed on a car, things that have happened to me. I shouldn't have guns pulled on me. I shouldn't get cussed out in front of my house by police officers who decide to take me to jail for a dog ticket because my dog doesn't have a license that I didn't know he needed to have. So I have to go down to the jailhouse and then get in the paddy wagon and go down to Harris County and get slammed around and all kinds of crap and denied uh, a new Mac mm-hmm. pad and all kinds of things and demeaning. What's You're necessary? telling me that yeah. all of that should happen to me and it's necessary and I can't complain about it or mention it Chicago. because and you know, right. some people so, Nikki, got your situation Chicago with gang violence. Is your situation everything you describe is like the... <laughs> None of that makes sense. The, the four worst words the, when I know somebody's about to be on some bullshit. The, fir- the four words if they would just like once I hear that, I'm like, <laughs> you're gonna be. I don't want to hear anything else from you because you're about to, yeah, you're about to justify some true BS. It'll be problematic, but you know, you like, like, like we've been discussing, sane arguments don't work. And back to y'all's point, like, you know, the things y'all laid out about Chicago in the history of Chicago, like, we could really go deep because. Like uh, Bishop and I before the show, we're talking about Harold Washington and how how racist Chicago was in the '80s, racist and segregated, and how they were making sure they upheld all of the stuff yeah. you guys just discussed. But like the thing is, you don't let someone own something, and then you're surprised when a riot happens and they're okay with its destruction. And mm. so, so even though. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to, definitely don't want to put it off on the protesters um, uh, during this 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 protest because a lot of that has been proven to be right-wing racist hate groups who are going in and causing destruction in order to get black people blamed. That's right. And to frame the protest a certain way. But when you want black people to care more yes. about the neighborhood and yes. the destruction. Yes, yes than they do about themselves is that stupid in itself because i know plenty of people who will try to who will try to argue against everything that's going on right now but get 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 really upset to the point of tears that people won't wear masks to their favorite uh restaurants um 
so they understand humanity. That's the thing that you you understand humanity as it applies to you, but you don't understand. Oh no, no, it's okay. This is one of the problems. Wrapping it up, but you don't understand humanity. If these Uh people never had ownership of all of this, why do you expect them to care so much? And that's not that I'm saying destruction of property is right or anything. What I am saying is you that's racism you know like that's yeah well, well which one itself. is it yeah. because you have a different view of your neighborhoods because early on you you are bought into that neighborhood you are you that neighborhood is a part of you because you were able to buy right. into that neighborhood but if this is right. just where you were put where you were put where you were forced you view that neighborhood as yet another symbol of your oppression so so you can't oh yeah Cause I can't get out. As what is the Diddy Mama said? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on now, keep crying out and keep our ass in. Right. That's that's is you know it's to keep them in. You know, so again, you know, when you have people corral on top of each other, um, when you have these conditions that are induced, they're on top of each other. When you are not allowing, when they got to work out. I mean, Nikki, have you seen those projects? Have you seen them? On TV, have you seen those projects? How they are? It's terrible. Mm-mm. It's a zoo. Oh yeah, yeah, uh huh, yeah, yeah. It's her. It's horrific, and it's like you know. And then to take this incubator that you guys have created, it's over policed. It is underserved. Uh, the schools are horrific. You've allowed you you surged in all these things at one time, and then and, you know. And again, I, now here's my conspiracy thing. I just find it odd. That violence in Chicago always miraculously soars, election right yeah. in collaboration with yep. attention to Black progress. Every time that there seems to be a level of attention to Black Lives Matter in the last several years, a weekend it'll be a weekend that correlates with it, where it soars in Chicago. Chicago, Chicago, and then Chicago. You see on all the social media sites, as you see Black people do this. Um, man, see, man, this is why we can't. Y'all gotta do this, and then you see all the racists say, "Well, you take care of Chicago. If Black Lives Matter, blah blah blah." And I'm just, it just, it befuddles me, um, especially in the last couple of years where we've seen the videos of people, you know, where hey, there's a mm-hmm. a big yeah. truck parked or in the, the crates, neighborhood, the crates of guns, why? like Bishop said, the crates of guns where did on it the come corner, from? Like... or yeah. It's crates of guns right here. What are I they mean, sensibly, the how can they afford ammunition the and guns and keeping the guns clean enough, long enough not to rust out? Listen. Then accusations of a supremacist group shooting, you know, you know, and also in addition with cameras on every light post. You exactly. can have evidence of every crime, but you have. I'm not buying it. I'm not. Nobody, yeah, nobody see nothing on tape. Ain't nobody. Ain't nobody. I mean, we out here like we see right? uh, just juicy smoulet on the, in the uh, snow. Yeah. So Nikki, the, if these the, things are true, who is supplying the weaponry? Okay, that's where I just don't. I don't trust. I don't trust everything I, I'm told. I don't know. And 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 there's so much black market out here, you know what I mean? I, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me that the government's funding this. I mean, mm-hmm. the government is the same government that was tapping uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King's yep. phones. 
Okay. Same I government mean, that dropped crack into the middle of another neighborhood. Come on, man. Like Same it, government that helped aid Philadelphia with that bombing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is no secret how they are with black people in particular. You know, the undesirables. Yeah. You know, but I, this is where I, I you know, yeah. I don't have all the answers tonight, but I can surely tell you redlining is not our friend. Uh, it never, it wasn't meant never to be been our friend. friend. It wasn't. Well, and Bishop, we didn't. We didn't even get into. I know we had intended to really. Um, I one of the points I know I wanted to talk about that you know we kind of talked about offline that I wanted to bring on was you know all the work that Black folks have to do, and yeah. you know, I don't know if this is another yeah. segment or not, but I mean we haven't even gotten into as Adrian said the why, the source of this stuff. Um, because we got to understand the why. If we start, you know, we got to understand why we're, you know, how things happened, why it's that way, uh, so that you can work backwards to unpack and then to prevent. But, you know, if you deny that, if we, you know, again, that boils down to education and history as well, um, I, you know, that's, um, oh, yeah. I'm sure that's another segment. Oh, yeah. I do think we will get to that. that we, we I do think we end up talking about institutional racism at least once or twice every every episode, as we should. I don't think it's a point you can belabor. Um, right. Because it, it is the why. Um, and it, it, it's really, I think, uh, the, the conversations that that this conversation that we're having right now is everything we're so frustrated that people tend to bring up. And like I said, I don't like to, even though I feel like Chicago, somebody, I feel like with, with situations like Chicago, what I will say is the only reason, not the only reason, but I feel a responsibility as a black person for stuff like that, because I know for a fact, that there will be no, like, you know, we're, we're in this era where everybody's talking about allies and all that. But in the case of Chicago, in the case of stuff like this, like in the case of, of th- that there's going to be a point where we know some people are going to fall off. And it's mm-hmm. gonna, it, it really is dependent upon us to keep raising hell about stuff, to keep, to keep making moves to to depend yeah. on wealthy black people to do something uh without with or without Morgan Freeman cuz as far as I'm concerned he's worthless um <laughs> like uh well these were the best of times yeah yeah it's like and these were the worst of times so never so never let <laughs> that fool play god man. but like Cause it, yeah, yeah. Terry Crews getting lost. Oh, he gonna always he gonna always be Electric Company Morgan to me. Yeah, I don't care what you say. <laughs> but like you know, people with that mindset, they're they're no good to, you know what I mean? Right. To what we're right. trying to do. Yeah, you know, it befuddles me. Yeah, it, it befuddles me when I see people. You know, you mm-hmm. in uh, in Texas, talking about well, what about Chicago? Just to avoid talking about why y'all only have right, it's like you don't care in a hundred employee <laughs> plant. I, I that that ain't got nothing to do with anything. And at this point, let's rip band aids off and let's be free enough to say to educate you out of your ignorance and not entertain it and yeah. allow it and then allow you to chain it forward to to other generations. There let's, we go. It's really hard. I would have never believed once you showed people like, hey, you see this? This directly correlates to this. And this directly and, and there are such that's the thing. Like I thought 
once people see like direct correlations, there's no way you cannot accept that this is the way it is. It's like this is, you know, everything that that's been thrown in in people's face before. Every time you know someone tries, show me the facts, show me this, show me some numbers. Mm-hmm. Don't just go off, mm-hmm. you, you know, everybody's of feelings that and emotions. Yeah, don't go right. off of feeling, right. and that's gaslighting in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just, always, yeah, always, because yeah. they don't think that we have the capability to maintain both. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, but if you, you know, if you show them some research, <laughs> if right. you show me, well, that's not a credible source. It's a national, so it's a think tank. It's a, it, or it's not a think tank. This is the, this is where everybody else goes to get their statistics. The FBI, the FBI isn't credible to people anymore. Trump has destroyed credibility in our intelligence, in our national intelligence. Well, he can't, he can't stand them. Yeah, he hates them. So therefore, his people now are telling you the FBI is not credible. And it's like, they collect all the intelligence data, all the crime data. This is where everybody else gets their data from. They're not credible now. Like, we can't cite an FBI statistic and say this, according to the FBI statistic, is, is, which should be all we need. This, these are the, the police of the nation, so to speak, you know, the, you know, and, and so their statistics aren't enough. Like you, you, that that doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, you show oh, people the oh hate crime statistics. I just love how people, everybody brings up black on black crime and then they Leap skim over, over the hate crime statistics that come from the FBI, that come from the Bureau of Gen- of, of Statistics, and um, that come from the actual mm-hmm. places that they cite for other things. And when you say, wait a minute. Black people today, you know, hate crimes have tripled against Hispanics in the last three years. Hate crimes have doubled against this mm-hmm. group, you know, mm-hmm. Muslims, in the last, so you know, two years or whatever it is. Um, then you say, okay, well, in addition to that, black folks are making up 60, 60 plus percent of hate crime victims that are motivated by race and that the perpetrators are white. Then you look at the ACLU, I mean, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and you see the activity from hate groups and you look up and, and so all of that is a part of the systemic code of silence, um, a part of the gaslighting that takes place, a part of protecting the structures in place. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot that has to be, it's, a, it's so much that has to be, um, that people have to be educated on and that, that has to be unpacked and, you know, um, it's a fight. It's just, it's a lot. And again, you know, sh- Chicago. They said it's unlike any other. They said, they, they tell me, so uh, sources tell me this. that that place is unlike any other project that they've ever been around or, or so they say it's, it's unique. Chicago, they said it. Yeah, yeah I know. It's but they, a lot going but they, on but they said it's unique. Now. Trust, trust it, me. It, I, it's a I lot know. going on in New York on the news now because. It's just on their local news. They have targeted oh, yeah. uh, oh, definitely. Chicago, but it's a lot going on in New York. Definitely. People are up on top of each other in New York. Um, you know, some of the uh, bureaus, the, the, the projects, all of that. It's, I mean, it's a lot but going the only, on in New York. Just on their local right, news, but the only way we can defeat this thing is, on. I mean, I again, I don't have all the answers. I'm just laying out the fan foundation on what happened with Chicago, how it came to be. And I gave a very short brief history on it because there's so much. Oh, yes. I mean, Chicago's Adrian, so Adrian mean. mentioned, I mean, yes. you would have to 
this could be a week's worth of uh, podcast if if we did wanted to do it right. But I mean, I gave a brief uh, synopsis on it uh, for our listeners. You can go online and you can you can look these things up uh, yourself. You can go and look up Chicago and the Great Migration. Uh, type that in your search bar, and I mean, man, uh, you're gonna have just lots of information uh, staring you dead in your face. Um, but well, Bishop, I no, want to throw in one quick question. Yes. I don't know if we, if maybe we gotta do it next time. Um, but I was confused because the Chicago police superintendent said that the reason that um, the issue was that end game was to arrest violent felons. But if the violent felons get right out of jail. Um, we need the cooperation with and collaboration with other partners. He basically said that um, the violent felons are driving the, the shootings and they're not being locked up enough. And honestly, that is direct in direct opposition to what actually happens with nonviolent felons and with all of the overload in the criminal justice system. And I haven't looked into that. I mean, but I, you know, yeah, I thought I would throw that out right? there because this isn't I'm like, happening. are you saying that y'all not arrested? I mean, they yeah. going to jail like everybody Listen. else. Y'all know exactly. I really I think mean, it's too like beneficial. The it, like the, the way I look at it is the fact that this problem is as bad as it is, and and they won't even make the give up off the appearance of having done something about it, is that it benefits someone for it to be that way. That's, I mean, that's man, kind when of you, my whenever feeling. you got like generations on generations yeah. on top of generations on top of generations of this, because you got to remember that welfare was not invented. Uh, for success, Mm-mm. it's not. It's not. It's <laughs> that welfare is to keep you in the in the maze. Yeah. Okay, keep you it, in the it, it is made for those. Well, it can. Uh, I would disagree. It can do what it's designed to do, like work to success for people that don't face barriers of bias. Workfare can welfare can be a leg up, but when you have barriers to buy and you have bias. And then you have a bunch of other factors yeah, you still, in there. Nah, yeah, I mean, but, right and, and how many, yep. again, are at liberties to enjoy or gain those kind of uh, liberties there? How many how many people can can say uh, that I have uh, these opportunities that I can actually attain this? Because, you know, uh, for a brief moment, I work, you know, for SNAP, the part, uh, SNAP. Uh, call center and i mean the way i saw it was like look man this person just got this job two weeks ago they i mean they barely got their check and you already trying to take their whole food benefits <laughs> away from them you know it's one person they ain't got a bunch of kids they're being yeah. responsible and you already snapping them off of it right, i mean you what you think this person gonna do yeah. right i mean this person can't eat because they just paid their bills I mean, you know, right. So, I mean, these kind of things is, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's a a rat in the maze. And again, I don't mean to give excuses, but I'm just saying to all my listeners and people that are listening, just know that not everything is, is designed to keep people um, um, from having to depend on other, right. uh, Depend on the system. Some of these things is designed exactly to keep you in the system, just like it is, uh, and this is a total different subject too. Because man, I'm yeah. I'm totally deriving, uh, totally uh, uh, going uh, abstract from the the main uh, topic. But I mean, it's just like with college students; they target college college kids with a free T-shirt to wreck their credit. Okay, yeah, here go and sign this up. Yeah, you know, and I mean, and when they got that card, 
that's that's free money to them. Mm-hmm. Until it's free you, money until you have to pay it back. I'm, right, 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 right. Yeah. They, but they don't they don't they don't see that part. They see the free T shirt and this and this two hundred dollar three hundred dollar limit. Yeah. Let's get ready to wreck my my credit up because I don't have a job. I'm a college student. I'm barely working part time, if that, because I'm having to focus on studies. I mean, these are the kind of things that we have to teach our kids to work, you know, to work around and get around. Now, many of us parents that are very active with our kids, we own it. I'm like, no, when you get that or if they come to the house or if I find out about it, I'm ripping it up. Yeah, just leave it alone. I might even pay, I might even pay that thing off, but I'm going to rip that thing up. Because what you don't understand is these these dragons and these monsters that's designed to get you, okay? I done already talked to my kids about it, especially my sons. Between the ages of 18 and 26, and this you can relate this to Chicago as well. I mean, the young black youth, those are targets, man. Oh, yeah, they're going. From 14 to 26, we are yeah. hunted, okay? And I don't use that term loosely at all. No, but it's real. We are hunted. Okay, and you might look at it. Wow, that's a predatory statement. Well, damn right, because it is. Why do you think? Just like you, uh, Nick, you you related to us last week, how your son was treated in the school at a young age. That's a predatory environment that yeah, that, a- that young man was within. Yeah. See, I was listening. Yep. Okay, and 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 I'm a- I'm able to reflect yep. that right now in this in this in this sure. podcast. Because, man, honestly, we got to protect these children. So it does start at home. But, man, at some point, we're going to have to get these laws and things changed because it's not going to fix itself. At all. Because it wasn't meant to be fixed. It was meant to control you and keep you in your place. And they have done damn well with that. Now it's overran and it's overran with poverty-stricken minds. And then you got some that want to get out, but don't know how. Mm-hmm. They now, don't see a path. My challenges is my challenges is to these pastors and to these to these priests and deacons and all this and the, and these high uh, uh, um, uh, looked upon leaders of Chicago. I ain't gonna say no names. It's time for them to put some action out here and, because and I, you can't tell man. Chicago I mean, Church has a, a, a shady history as well. I mean, they were prominent I'm, black I'm, preachers I'm, that I'm, hated I'm, MLK. Not, that's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. exactly. Like it's, it's like so. So we do have one of you know. I know we, we were going to we, say some stuff about the black community and all that, but this is a whole different discussion too. Like we do have yeah. people yeah. within <laughs> the black community who don't see it as a benefit to them if people actually find a way out. Jesse Jackson. So like. In that That's case, right. exactly. I can stay up if you down, Adrian. Hey, man. I mean, that's yeah. just you so, see what I'm yeah. saying? Exactly. Because it's just like, man, that crabs we, in a bucket. So I, I remember, and I don't like this dude now, but he wrote a book. And one of his things was, was Larry Elder, who has since become like an older, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's, he's basically a, an old, <sighs> old male Candace Owens. <laughs> But in in this one book, which I, yeah. I I had to look at it, it's called the Ten Things Something You Can't Say in America, something like that. Anyway, I don't want to give him too many plugs. I don't want to make this book a bestseller because uh, <laughs> I don't want him to get any money. But he did ask a question oh. that piqued my interest oh, when he said, "Why do we need black leaders per se?" And so you know what? What the thing is though, even as I pondered that question, you know, for this conversation, I thought about the fact that. 
you know, someone who can be because um and I don't I'm trying to find the PC way to say this, but still just say say it with my chest. But okay, so white people have a soapbox almost no matter what, and at any time a white person will be given a voice. Mm-hmm. Um like we saw that we saw that with that fraud Shelly Lupin here in Texas. They right? wanted. <laughs> and then it turned out she had a whole group backing her and they decided to mm-hmm. bump her up to the top. Whereas Man. black people, it is harder to get that voice because there are so many people already wanting to shut us up. So it's not that necessarily it's it's that black leaders are bad. It's the type of people we end up with that want to be in that space. And so... No, no, no. Well, and no, no, I mean, I, no, I was just saying, sorry, I, you're Adrian, probably, you're probably go going down the same yeah. road, you know, like, like. Yeah. And there's no, um, when you abandon that, that, you know, uh, what's the word? Like, exactly. I think that we need to have some house rules, essentially, as a culture. Most definitely. Every other, every other culture has them. And um, and America works against us group uh, against unity within Black folks. There's this entitlement, even mm, from slaves. What's happening? Understand what the Negroes doing? What they talking about? Right? And yeah, and so I think because of that, it it results in people who decide, well, if I step out of this because I ain't getting nothing here anyway, I yeah. might as well sell mm. my soul in that way to benefit me. And so when you have that, you do make way for the elders and for them to write uh, Mm -hmm. books like Stupid Black Man and uh, How to Play the Race Card and Lose. What's race got to do with it? Why it's time to stop the stupidest argument in America. Uh, He's such trash. He really is trash. You know, (laughs) you can have a black face. Yeah, you can have a black face basically sell out because they got a benefit that they don't get because groupthink and house rules do not benefit oh, yeah, us, yeah, which is like, all the more reason we should have them. In my unfortunately, it's all the more reason we need to have them because of self care. If you're not gonna take care of nothing else, take care of your mind and your psyche, you know, which is why, you know, I'm one of my things I always say, I don't think we need a revolution, we need a renaissance. We gotta understand how to be great, you know, in spite of um, although I do think a revolution is in play, but I also don't know that that responsibility is on black folks. I think that it's on the sons and daughters of white Americans and those. Well, you know what I hope come with that black. revolution. That's a whole nother thing. I so, hope I hope yeah. black banks come with it. I hope I hope we can get more black banks yeah. uh, uh, nationwide because man, if we can channel our monies <laughs> and start financing our monies uh, more proactively, which we got a friend Adrian and I, we have a friend. Uh, that's that's all about that. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Big Big Phil. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my thing is, man, we got We got to get more black banks out here. And it's a shame out here in West Texas. There's there's none. I mean, there's none. There's no. no I mean, man, Texas. There's only one I mean, in Houston. It's only a handful. I, I, I don't think, even I think there's. Yeah. We even have fifty. That's it. There's none in Dallas. I don't there's believe. There's only one. I mean, and that's a shame. And I have none in Dallas. None in Austin, but none in San Antonio. Do, do we even, exactly. Do we even have we need our nationwide. own banks. We need our own grocery stores. I I'm, I'm telling you where it's at. Thing, though, but, but where we, we need to get it back, Nikki. Bishop, we had that stuff in in the Freedmen's towns 
And the only way for us to get it back is you have to, there is the only way to do it is, and this is my thing, we spend a lot of time browbeating each other about what we need to do. And I call it browbeating because it goes past the point of informing and being motivational to telling us what we need to do. And we're not addressing the barriers. And it's like, okay, you can talk about black business all day long, but the statistics are that they do not lend to black business owners. This is everywhere. This is written down. This is why so many banks have silent, um, they have silent lawsuits that they cover up. You know, lending is not equitable. If you had lending that Mm. was equitable, you wouldn't have gentrification because you got people in hoods right now. Big mama had 10 kids and three of them are teachers and they got together to try to to try to, you know, redo her home. And y'all won't give them a construction loan to redo the roof. And you say, well, it's because big mama who was retired and who got a paid off house, you won't give her a loan back by her three kids to change her to, to do a roof. You're telling the one kid they got too much yep. debt to do the roof. The roof ain't but $10,000 or something like that. Then her roof leaks and then here comes an investor and they buy and tear down her little house with the $10,000 roof and her $50,000 house on her $10,000 plot of land and then they build a $500,000 townhome on it. That is something wrong. That is systemic. When you have barbers, if if lending was equitable, every barber and beautician who has put children through college, who has died a renter, who has never been homeless, who have run successful businesses for years, for decades, and they can't get commercial loans just to spruce up a lease, let alone their own shop. Something's wrong. So how do we change it? So how do how do we change it? And I think it's to some degree. We can't, we cannot, we cannot change that. And I believe one of the hardest things for us to really recognize, and until we recognize it, we're going to be futile, is that the reality and where a whole lot of our frustration and our depression and even our anger with one another comes from the fact that if we really face things, we are powerless to change a structure that we don't hold the keys to. That is why you have to be honest about what's going on. You have to be unmuted and the pressure has to be on white folks to make the changes. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen no more. We've been advocating since the time we were free. And and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be in formation when the time comes. I'm not saying we need to give up either. But I'm saying we need to think soberly about where we're at, what we can do, and then what we need. And what we need, we need to quit saying that we need to do this to do that. Because the reality is that that ain't going to happen. See, me buying... I can't make exactly. you rich from your barbecue thing. truck. That's not going to happen. That's not how group economics work. You're not going to get rich <laughs> off t-shirts that you got to make off cricket. That's not going to happen. Now, you know how you can get rich? If the bank would finance you a storefront and give you a six-month payroll like they do Bob's son, who just got an MBA, and allow you an offer of advertising budget in your business plan so you can promote and advertise and turn it around. It, it happens in the church, too. You have organizations. I can name one now. Stadia. Um, <laughs> I can name another one. Drats. I can, I can name one. So I just talk about Stadia. And there's another one that advertises for churches for all of like their marketing needs. These groups actually will take and vet 
pastors and you'll come through a pastor and you'll take all of these different inventories, you do a Myers-Briggs, you look at a strength, a spiritual sense assessment, and they will determine that they're going to place you into a particular church and they will decide we need to plant a church in, um, in Austin over in this particular zip code. They're going to do a demographic survey and they're going to say, okay, the demographics here are middle-aged white families with three kids and blah, blah, blah. So this pastor that went to the program, we're going to place him here. We're going to front the staff and do everything. We're going to put a children's church pastor. We're going to have everything ready to come. We're going to do an advertising campaign for the seven-mile uh, zip code that surrounds the church. And basically, we are going to make a system for their church to grow, and their church will be lucrative and report and um, refunding money and making a profit for us in three years. They, that is how they plant across the nation. They, that is that is church planting is an actual thing within nearly every denomination from First Baptist to whatever else. And here we go. We go hang out a shingle, say we anointed, and we want the church to grow by browbeating our members to bring somebody in. And we and then we go, we press on them, you know, for evangelism and each one, you know, y'all go out. You get somebody to come in for you Sunday and all of that stuff. And then we judge each other when the churches are not mega or successful, but we're not even yep. employing the same things they employ. And 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 the thing about it is that God don't change. He's a God of principle. There are principles in the Bible that work, that manifest themselves. We keep expecting us as a people, we browbeat one another to operate outside of those principles and say that we the problem. And my issue with that is I feel like that is another way for in America that we turn around and tell black folks you ain't got because you don't want to do it. We blame us for things that we don't control yeah. instead of facing the problem in the issue. And problem in the issue is the structures in white America that were established by white America have got to come down and change. They got to come down and change regardless. And although we can coach people, we can educate those whose ears are open, um, we can't change it. No, you and, and before I get them, I'm going to wrap up this. This is fire. But I want to say here's an example of this. Dr. Robin D'Angelo, one thing I love that she says, she says it repeatedly. She says, Black people have been doing this intellectual work for a long time. The fact that you as white people are listening to me, that's evidence of racism. Yeah. Because I'm not saying nothing new. I'm saying our black been voices out there. have done this work in this spaces for years. You don't listen to them. They've been out there. They taught me. Everything I learned, mm. they taught me. She tells her whole story. They don't, I mean, that's the, everything is built to, to shut them, up. Though. It's always shut up. You it's always that. It's just me. like whatever, the, going going back to the very beginning of our conversation. It is, that's it's it. like it. there's something, and I think what some, maybe what some of the people who, who are coming out as allies are, are realizing now is like, wow, I was, you know, I knew something was up, but I never really, like, I'm I'm hearing it. Yeah, you know, I'm hearing it now. I'm, I'm hearing you <laughs> yeah. say, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you, I'm listening. I knew it was something. Um, and, and you've been saying these things, and you've been trying to tell us that institutional racism matters, and the people who want to throw you throw Candace Owens and all these other dudes and, and then the black people who have bought into this too because I, like I said I've got at least two that, that are in my Facebook you know 
feed, you know, always racism is a myth. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like worst type of black person for us. Like for, for, for us to move forward, right when we have the, right when people are being forced to acknowledge history because, oh, just one thing, you know, Michelle and I were talking about this. And one of the things we talked about, there's no real federal mandate as to how history is taught, which is a huge problem when you really think about it. There's no, um, and, and especially when you That's get to the state problem. and local level, the state level, each state gets to decide what, if any, history is taught. So you think about, you look at your Mississippis and your Alabamas and, and your Texas and all these plays who are, who they're, you know, what they're going to make who they're going to make the hero of these stories and how they're going to couch it so that everything that you hear wow. historically is acceptable and why we why we're taught in his why probably we were in eighth grade thinking oh man these mexicans were so bad you know they were so terrible santa Ana. it's a good thing that santa Ana mm-hmm. was defeated because now we have texas but really we have really if we had Santa Ana in yeah. Texas, slavery would have ended right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like so, you look at all of these. You look at how things really go down, and, and, and how history looks. And when you find out the underlying, you know, cause of these wars and all these things, you realize how much we've been lied to throughout history. How much of the story is just a straight up lie That's it. when it comes That's it, to Adrian. heroism. Just, you know, even the, the heroes, like my buddy and I were joking about how the heroes of the Alamo, like Jim Bowie was a drunk mercenary. The dude we got the Bowie knife from was nothing more than a drunk mercenary. Uh-huh. He didn't have any love for Texas or anything like that. He was a drunk mercenary who liked to get drunk and kill people. That was his thing, getting drunk and killing people. And I told y'all about hey, my you know, crusade I, I against feel like, Alamo. And maybe we'll change the name <laughs> of the podcast to I Got Time Today. But I feel like we got time <laughs> to hear this crusade against the Alamo because it's just like when you like, it, it's, it is such a it, it, it's a mind F word. See, I, I think I used some of my curse words earlier. It really it it really is. It really is. It really is, you know, I did this social media crusade for only about two or three weeks against the Alamo because it just hit me. This I went to visit mm-hmm. the Alamo like two years ago, family vacation. And for the first time visiting the oh, Alamo, yeah. now in Texas, you know, we hear that story in Texas history. But And I have visited the Alamo multiple times. But this time I read through mm-hmm. the actual history there. So I'm reading the walls and reading through the history. Then I pick up a book inside of the Alamo gift shop. Then I pick up another gift book inside the Alamo gift shop, and I say, you know what? Um, this history, this is not. Yeah, I, I'm confused how accurate the history is at the actual Alamo and how we have repainted it tremendously for Texas history. So I felt like you know what happened at the Alamo is essentially. The, the Texicans were white people from the United States. Mexico had this extra land. And they said, hey, we want people to come settle this desert land that we that's not settled. We'll give it to some U.S. citizens, but you got to do two things. You got to go to church, 
you know, convert to Catholicism, mm-hmm. and you got to become a citizen of Mexico. They come here, and within five years, they decide we ain't finna pay you, and we, we want to keep these slaves. Catholicism, Cause... this island, and we finna <laughs> fight and kill. We gonna keep these slaves, and we gonna kill you for it. And so a fight ensues, and then we call our boys in the government, and we gonna take your lunch so money. We steal the land because basically, <laughs> and we're gonna take your lunch money. So we steal the land, and we have heralded these people as as these incredible brown. Like I really thought that the story of the Alamo in school. I thought that there were people. Oh yeah, that's that's Texas the way because that's the way it's that Mexico just attacked. These terrible Mexicans came, and they these wanted, horrible they Mexicans. And, and the, the, the Alamo, and, and we're always. Every story we've heard about Americans that we've discovered was such a huge lie. We are always uh, Americans, not we, not we, because we're not really included. Black people have kind of glommed onto these stories, like we. But really, when we look at it, we're like, you know, <laughs> like when you really examine. But we're we we've glommed onto these stories. We've kind of because we were it was just like it was taught to us like it was truth, and then so we look mm-hmm. at it. And and the, the 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 Americans that fought, no matter which story we hear, they are always these plucky underdogs. It's never never like kind of evil, and they fought these wars, several of them, because they really just wanted to keep black people, and they realized that every other country was trying <laughs> was was maybe not trying to get it right for the most altruistic reasons, but they were trying to get it right. That's it, and you know what. That's the main thing I forgot, Adrian. You are absolutely right. The three things they had to do: convert to Catholicism, uh, basically go to church, become a you know pledge a Mexican, and they could not own slaves. But because they wanted to own slaves, (laughs) that's why it all went down. When the Mexican government decided to enforce that rule, they decided we would rather fight you. And kill you and fight back. Then mm-hmm. up our it's always of these black bodies. And it's, man, we keep we keep being told we keep being told how much we're not worth. But when you look at history, we were worth a lot. Oh man, we were worth a lot, folks. On, <laughs> like I said, they they would fight over some Negroes quick. We the most but American we thing worth about anything. America. If you think on, about man. it, we are the most American thing about America. You, the the settlers. Yeah, we are well. At least the myth of yeah. America, really like we're you know, we're closer um, to the myth really to the myth. And, we're closer you know, to that American dream than a lot of people who hold so hold it so close to their heart. Oh yes, yeah. oh we're, yeah. we're much closer to it. Oh yeah, it's it's really it's really triggering for me now that you know we call the Alamo a symbol of freedom. <laughs> it's not at it's all. It's not. <laughs> It's not a symbol of freedom well, for and who? tyranny. It's not. That is not <laughs> accurate. And my issue, yeah, and my issue is not the history itself. My issue is our refusal to be honest about the history. And that way we repainted oh, yeah. it and we literally whitewash it. I have a problem with that. And at the core of a lot of the issues within America is there is an insistence from the majority upon feeling good and being thought of as good. And they they will do the most, the majority is capable of doing evil things. Yet as long as they are thought of as good, they're fine. They're never drawn to anything outside of an apology. And they're fine as long as they're thought of and good. And this particular sentiment and bias 
that has come up out of slavery. Um, you know, even if you, I don't know if you guys have listened to this is another one. We need Marcus down. Race, religion, I racism. Have, I've listened to that one. Price. Oh my gosh, it's pretty old. Mm. Uh, yeah, and he's he's got a book out on it. But he, I remember when he was doing the series, I was much younger, and it went on for like a couple of months, and then he wrote a book. But one of the things he talks about that the that I see the black church has skimmed right over uh, is he says the reason you see so many people, black folks, exiting Christianity, and they say that Christianity was a white man's religion is because it was because the church co-opted and got in bed with slave owners mm-hmm. to make yep. them feel good about slavery. The church endorsed it. And he also talks about, you know, he says the church is the light of the world. And that is why once the church got into it, the world follows suit and it became a very a stronghold. And that is why technically we say that, you know, it's the white man's uh, religion and it doesn't do anything for black folks because it was never designed to do anything for black folks. And just like anything else, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Christianity is a tool that was misused, but pastors need to, un- we, the church needs to understand when we say mm-hmm. it's a white mm-hmm. man's religion, that is true. We are saying that it is, it was made. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't you dodge know, that. You can't dodge that. That is definitely, for us. no, you can't dodge that. Nah. You can't die. You cannot dodge it, mm-hmm. and and then and we gotta address that, and then you gotta use repurpose the tool for mm-hmm. the, the freedom that it was designed to be, but you gotta acknowledge where it missed it and where it skipped and how it has and, been in place that's where, for all of these yeah. years. And, and that's so, where you know, we gotta make a turn that. with that. I mean, you you're right at listen. You right at the at the crux of this yeah. whole thing, man. Uh, uh, so I listen. We could go on and on and on. I believe that was two segments, you know. But uh, but hey, uh, listening for our, uh, for all of our listeners um, to this podcast right now. If you got any additional questions, concerns, uh, critiques, uh, complaints, uh, feel free to inbox me or um, go ahead and leave a voicemail. There's a link on the Anchor app for voicemail where you can leave that. And uh, we can take that and actually answer uh, some of the questions and concerns that may come from from you guys. So uh, at this point, we just want to thank you all for giving us your ear. But at the same time, this is all about uh, the betterment of the black culture, the black, the black society uh, as a whole. Um, Because, I mean, again, I say um, each one reach one to teach one, but we got to start putting that into action uh as nikki did state you know we we can't just talk about it anymore we're past that we're in the year 2020 and it's time to make it happen so at this point i just want to tell you thank you for your uh, listening uh thank you guys for listening thank you adrian for your wise words thank you uh nikki for all the uh man the fire that you just brought tonight yeah i mean it all wow down. You know, again, uh, but we got to we got to we got to teach these things. We got to reach these things out uh, to others so that uh, we can all gain uh, and and lift ourselves up because uh, we are definitely in a system. So I'm not going to expound on that anymore. But this was the uh, what about Chicago uh, topic for tonight. And uh, hey, we even got into the Alamo. So uh I don't know if we're going to play Davy Crockett at the end of this, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> King of the Wild Frontier. <laughs> Y'all have a good night. Baby.
Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. King of the wild frontier.